I love to watch documentaries and read books about cults. Nothing like that statement to put new members at ease, right? We just signed on with this community, and now we find out that the minister is disturbingly enthusiastic about cults. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder about myself. <laughs> A paradise built in hell, really? Uh. So let me clarify. I am not enthusiastic about cults, but I'm very interested in cults for this reason. Many often start as very idealistic communities, intent on offering alternatives to the worst excesses of mainstream culture, often claiming, at least at first, to hold values that you and I may resonate with, indeed may hold as our own. And yet, these communities crash and burn or sometimes carry on in devastating ways, ending up not only emulating, but often amplifying the worst excesses of mainstream culture, while distorting and destroying the high-minded and seemingly heartfelt aspirations that purportedly existed at their founding, causing great harm where they promised healing luring individuals into mental, emotional, spiritual captivity with a deceptive promise of freedom. And I always wonder, how does that happen? Because this doesn't only happen to those groups to which we apply the name cults. It happens on a much larger scale too, right? Revolutions in country after country promising a new way and a brighter day and once taking power, emulating, and sometimes amplifying the worst excesses of the system they replaced. Meet the new boss. Same as the old boss, same or sometimes worse. How does that happen? I don't expect we will answer that question today, but this reflection usually leads me to another question with a much more positive and less concerning spin and one that relates to communities like, for instance, a congregation. What is it that makes a healthy congregation? I ask this purposefully during this month of December when the theme is mystery because I have concluded that much of the answer may lie in that realm. I have not found a precise recipe for a healthy community and further it seems to me that believing one holds a precise recipe for how it should be done is one of the things that leads communities to cultishness that distorts values even as they are publicly claimed. Don't be afraid of some change. We sang just a little earlier. It seems to me that a community is a living, breathing thing that must be open to change, which means we are never totally sure we have it all right. We take our place in the Unitarian Universalist tradition, but we claim it as a living, 
tradition, which means each of our communities are changed with each new member, which means we are committed to reviewing and re-articulating our most deeply held values on a regular basis, which means each of those questions we sometimes sing together, where do we come from, what are we, where are we going, are open-ended questions, which ideally opens us to new possibilities, which is why I am so excited about the visioning process the board is inviting us all to engage this year. Many of the ideas that come to me about a healthy community sound more paradoxical than prescriptive. One of the attributes of a healthy community is knowing that we don't have all the answers for what makes a healthy community. We are always open to learning. And another attribute of a healthy community is not letting our not knowing all the answers interfere with our ability to put our values into action. We must strive to be 100% committed to our values and our highest aspirations and never be 100% certain of our own rightness or righteousness. Another attribute of cults, which I offer courtesy of my vast research, is that they become increasingly insular and insulated from contact with a wider community. While we may think of ourselves in many ways as countercultural, we are also ideally all about deepening connections among ourselves and with the wider community and the interdependent web of all existence. We are not only coming in but going out. This leads to what can sometimes be a paradoxical piece of our welcome to new members. Greetings, we say. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you feel that this is your home. And right when you are about to make yourselves at home, beginning to enjoy the comfort of this new community, looking for a place to hang your coat, we say, whoa, whoa, okay, now that you're here, let's go. Let's get to it. Let's deepen those connections. Let's work toward justice as we practice it ourselves. There is love here, and there is more love somewhere. There is peace here, and there is more peace somewhere. There is joy here. You get the picture. There is barely a breath between rejoice and come in and come and go with me. Because we do live in a time of disaster. Not the earthquake you heard about in the reading, but many human-caused disasters resulting in great pain and loss. And we believe we have a responsibility to respond as best we can. It seems to me that when disaster strikes, there are communities that cultishly clamp down, pull in, regard others suspiciously. And there are others who reach out, displaying what Dorothy Day described as human kindliness and warmth. 
disaster sometimes knocks down institutions and structures and suspends private life, leaving a broader view of what lies beyond, writes Rebecca Solnit. The task before us is to recognize the possibilities visible through that gateway and endeavor to bring them into the realm of the everyday. I love that. The task before us is to recognize the possibilities visible through that gateway and endeavor to bring them into the realm of the everyday. The task before us is to recognize the possibilities. May we be faithful to that task. And now, let us welcome our new members.